Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's game week. Vikings, Bucks, time to deep dive. Hey, this is Arif from Wide Left. I totally forgot that it was game week. That's crazy. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Are you ready to get hurt by Baker Mayfield? No, really. Ask yourself. Look in the mirror. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Hopefully you're ready too on today's Minnesota football party. Locked on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. Happy game week. Happy Tuesday. It's a special Tuesday edition of the Minnesota football party. After a holiday Monday, we bring Arif Hassan and Luke Braun together for a Vikings-Buccaneers preview show to kick off game week here on Locked on Sports Minnesota. So glad you've joined us today. Luke Inman continues his long weekend. He's on vacation. He'll be back with us tomorrow along with Reggie Wilson. Today's show brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Head to FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started and claim some great promotions, which I'll tell you about a little later in today's program which will include a myriad of topics around vikings buccaneers game is five days from now we'll talk about that extensively and i've got a couple questions for these fellas kirk cousins in his contract year is it possible are we considering enough the possibility that kirk cousins experiences a major regression at some point we'll also touch on kyle rudolph and his legacy as he announced he'll be retiring and as a Minnesota Viking, as most would expect. Also, nerdy stats of the day are going to be more prevalent now that we have real stats to talk about in football that are actually getting updated. And uh, we'll bring that back on today's show. Should be a lot of fun. Arif Hassan, uh, thank you for showing up on a Tuesday. I appreciate that. Not your usual day, so your biorhythms might be off. Same with you, Luke Braun. Uh, but it's good to have you both. Game week, football week. You guys excited? Arif, are you excited? Are you excited? I'm so unbelievably pumped. I'm surprised you even <laughs> asked. I think pretty obvious from my tone and face how rip-roaring ready I am to go. Is that a phrase <laughs> I've ever used in my life? Rip-roaring and ready rip to go. Roaring. Out of the 1950s. <laughs> um, it, it feels like the Vikings haven't done anything except make roster cuts in about a week and a half. And that is true. There's in been... fairness, they have also added some players in response to those roster cuts. They haven't gradually winnowed down the roster from 90 to 40. Great point. Um, Nikhil Harry added to the practice squad, by the way. Uh, rest in peace, Alan Ali. Now they have successfully shed every offensive lineman that was on the roster, basically, in uh, in camp that was of the backup variety or camp body variety. Do you think um, this is like because the Vikings will cycle through practice squad guys every so often? So, like, do you think this is like an instance where like Alan Ali is going to sign next week and then Jalen Rager or Nikhil Harry is going to sign the week after that? And they're just going to go back because they do this sometimes. No, you're you're right. It's they they field like a 20 man practice squad in essence by rotating through some bodies so that they kind of can call upon some reserves if needed. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's kind of the strategy. And Spielman did this too. Yeah. A practice they've ported over from the previous era. <laughs> it's the ultimate of minutias in roster management. But um, it, yep. if it feels like the Vikings haven't done anything, if there's been no updates, that's right. Now, I assume there's practice. <laughs> well, there, to... There's one big thing, but, you know, there's the market-setting tight end contract. Who? What? I And you're right Josh about Holland. that too. I'm... <laughs> I'm talking about football being played on football fields. There is not. Been... That's true. They have not done that since January. Yeah. Uh, no, they they're... are not unique in that particular regard, Sam. But yes. Yeah, and that's not even what I'm talking about. No one At will ever not, know not what I'm actually played. talking about because I can't get to the point. <laughs> the, the Vikings took three days off and then they had a day of press conferences and then they took four days off. And this is from media activity. Um, and I believe tomorrow will be the first day that media is invited back in. So it's been a little bit of a lull. Uh, we, we've, we've gotten a chance to digest this roster. And now we do move the page forward 
to Vikings Buccaneers. Um, Luke Braun, give me some of your some of your big storylines that you're looking ahead to. Well, one thing that we should be watching is this Mike Evans thing going on in Tampa Bay. He's got a contract deal. It is unclear if he is going to play in this game or not, uh, which obviously, you know, that that changes a lot strategically. Uh, the last I saw was a report from Jordan Schultz that said they're going to make like one last effort for a contract late in the week. And it's either going to get done or he's not going to he's going to like hold, start holding out and and miss the game. That's a big thing. Um, I think what it, it does Todd Bowles' defense look like this year is going to be a big thing. Um, I, I'll circle back to that at the the nerdy stat of the day, but mm-hmm. the crazy blitz heaviness that Todd Bowles employed in like the Super Bowl, for example, has kind of dialed back. And are they going to go back for it, or do they feel okay with the defensive result last year? Like, how uh, is that going to come? That those are, I guess, are the two questions that are rattling around in my head. Arif. Um, I, I mean, the bucks are a super interesting team next year to me. Like, and it's not yeah. just like, obviously, you know, you've got the whole quarterback thing. The, the rookies that they've brought in, uh, at least in the preseason thus far have been astoundingly good. Uh, obviously not the North Dakota state guy. That's never going to work out. But <laughs> other than that, other than the guard, um, I mean, they brought in uh, two receivers. One uh, undrafted free agent, Rakeem Jarrett, is a really exciting deep threat to watch. Um, they brought in a number of defensive linemen. So uh, Kalaja Kansi was drafted in the first round, but they also drafted uh, Yaya Diaby in the third round. That's something that the consensus board liked a lot as a third round pick. But Marquise Watts has had a really great preseason. Um, you know, these are guys that, oh, and Sean Tucker, the running back, has had a really good preseason. Um, these are guys that are probably not going to have an impact in the game against the Vikings for the most part. If Rakeem Jarrett does have an impact in the game, it's probably a bad thing given the number of like fourth or fifth speed demon wide receivers and what they've done to the Vikings specifically. Um, but, you know, I, I think that this is a team that I want to track. This is not a team that I'm all that interested in breaking down as the roster stands right now. I think there's a bunch of talent on that defense. I don't know that's going to matter if Baker Mayfield is your quarterback. Then again, Baker's only had good years when no one has believed in him. Uh, he's the ultimate chip on your shoulder guy. So, you know, maybe I, I, if I underestimate him, I'm wrong. If I overestimate him, I'm wrong. That's- Let's be specific about, about that though. Baker Mayfield's had arguably one good year out of five. Uh, two, if you include half years. <laughs> okay. One, one, we do or not. At, and a couple of half years scattered around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and one super sick Thursday night game for the Rams. Yeah. That, that game um, was so weird, man. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it it like and, and you mentioned the holdout thing, Bron. Let me go back to that. Doesn't it feel odd that a, a legacy receiver entering his 10th year with the organization at 30 years old, I guess wouldn't see the writing on the wall more clearly, like wouldn't just be willing to play out the year and then hit free agency? And it's a very, it's a very, very weird, a very odd holdout. This is not a guy looking for his first big contract. Um, This is a guy that obviously has a deep connection with that organization and is now kind of entering a rebuild, if you will. Many receivers would just let the clock run out. This, this is a weird one. And it'd be so surprising to me if he didn't breathing down his neck. Is he in Tampa now? Yeah, he's on the practice squad. All right. Bodied receiver. <laughs> um just it's so a... weirdly timed. Like, why weren't we yeah. talking about this, you know, two months ago? Um the the only the only Mike Evans discourse from like two months ago was like, wow, this guy is so underrated. He gets a thousand yards every year. And that's all people were talking about two months ago. It was like, hey, no one ever talks about Mike Evans. Now he gets a thousand yards every year. Which that's right. basically all people say about Mike Evans. I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's the like, only what? Mike Evans take. <laughs> yeah, and, and I also like. I feel like it's concerning that he only gets like a thousand yards every year. Like a <laughs> thousand and two. Yeah, it's like a thousand to one thousand eleven fifty. That's his like range of outcomes. Which is, <laughs> I would like. He gets injured can, a lot. Can I tell you about that? Let me shed a, a little more light on this. that. Um, Mike Evans had a thousand and one yards in 2017 
Um, exactly. And if that if if he falls short, we're not talking about this, right? Because then he'd have the one yeah. season that broke the streak in the fourth quarter, with a minute twenty six to go. Mike Evans nine yard catch. Mike Evans targeted but incomplete. Mike Evans nine yard catch. Mike Evans sixteen yard catch. Um, it took him until three throws inside of the final two minutes of the fourth quarter of the final game for him to pull that off. And that's why that streak lives today. Were, were, they, were they playing for something in that game or were they like two scores behind and he, they were just like, all right, Mike. Yeah. Was it like a six win team and they didn't, care? they were playing to win the game on that drive, oh, but they okay. were, a, they were a five and 11 team. So okay. That was that was all they had to play yes for. No. Was Mike? Okay. It's like when Madden gives you three. the like, like the drive goals, the developmental. Yeah, the <laughs> hey, if you can get this guy two hundred yards, he'll get the superstar trait. And so you're yeah. like, well, screw this game. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the quarterback rushes for forty yards, and I get some dev points. All right. Well, it looks like we're losing today, boys. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be worth it. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the timing is really weird, but I think to your question, Sam, I don't think I'm ever going to see a wide receiver, like wanting more money as that weird because wide receivers just have to be a little insane. Like they just have to see themselves that way. Mm -hmm. So even if you're like, man, I don't think he's good enough to like really deserve that. It's like, well, I'm not going to be the one to tell him that. Of course he thinks he should get more money. He's (laughs) yeah. You're you're the enemy that speaks softly and carries a knife. Uh, Right. Like that's what makes wide receivers beautiful (laughs) (laughs) and what's great is that like sometimes there are wide receivers that enter the league relatively sane but by virtue of being an nfl wide receiver they slowly become more insane it's gonna be great to watch that happen to justin jefferson like what kind of insane is he gonna become i am so excited yeah more on the Bucks offense here. Uh, last year, they were one of the best pass-blocking teams in the league per PFF, number four in the league. Yep. They are rolling, it appears, with Cody Mauk. Uh, who, yeah, that's the North Dakota State and, guy. North, North Dakota State guy. Uh, as their right guard, second-round pick, who looks... I love his headshots. He just looks awesome. Yeah, he doesn't Already, have teeth, I think. Can't even dispute right? that. Correct. He's lacking yeah. some teeth. Amazing. Um, like, yeah, hockey, hockey style. Tristan He's from Wirth, Minnesota, so I mean that still that locked in. Is he? Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. actually didn't even know that. Oh wow! It's I, like a, I know my really North Dakota. What high school? Guys. I don't know, know, man. Him? Let's. I'm sure. I'm sure he's got. I love uh, on air research. Cody Mauk High School, Breckenridge. Breckenridge. Um, and I and this is maybe it's a little mean spirited of me, but I I mean it in a like a jolly happy way. He looks he went like to Hankinson High School in North Dakota, so he's born in Minnesota. Went he looks like the ghost of Christmas past in the Scrooge movie. What's it called again? The Christmas Carol? Yeah, Christmas Carol. I think um, the Scrooge movie is more accurate. <laughs> That's a good name for it. Scrooge colon Scrooge the movie. The movie. <laughs> Scrooge the movie. That'll be the, the remake. But yeah, this, this dude was definitely like a hockey player until they got like just too big. And they were like devil's lake is not supporting this you gotta go play football man yeah uh that'll be a big storyline though can the bucks protect baker mayfield tom brady is always well protected um but he also was amazing at manipulating pockets and he was tom brady got the ball out fast we'll see if they can and this pass rush is going to be a mystery too we just don't know how it's going to work how the vikings respond to it but uh and I'm going back and forth here, but let's say Evans does play. Is that a Murphy, the first Murphy shadow situation? Uh, I don't think so, because Chris Godwin's really. still there, yeah? Yeah, Chris Godwin's good. They probably um, play sides. I, I think I think it's likely that they play sides, especially because, like, it's not as if Godwin has such a spectacularly different skill set. I mean, they are different, obviously, but it's not such a spectacularly different skill set that you'd be like, yeah, this guy is good when he bodies up against, like, you know, big contested catch receivers and this guy's good against speed guy. No, it's the same guy. So not a particular reason to do that. Especially because Mike Evans is only 1000 yard receiver. He's not a 50. You shadow 1500 receivers. You don't shadow 1000 receivers. Uh, I was just looking at this, this O-line and, and Mm -hmm. it's interesting. They only have one guy returning and playing the same position. And that's uh, their center, Robert Hainsey. 
Tristan Wirfs switched sides. Luke Kadecki switched sides and kicked outside from left guard to right tackle. He Ezra Cleveland did. Um, the reverse, Cleveland. or I guess the reverse Ezra Cleveland. And then they've got the rookie and they got another new guy. So it's definitely a different looking group. There is still three of five of the same people, but two of them moving around. Matt Filer, I mean, that's that's mediocre journeyman, right? I mean, he's he's on a new team every year. Um, I want to say he had a good year last year, but I, I don't have that confirmed. Kate Otten, Coquifed to tight end. Coquifed. Coquifed, gopher. Go. Friend of the Ron Johnson show. Uh, Rashad White, lead back. You said Sean Tucker's had a good preseason. Trey Palmer might get some some looks. Rakeem Jarrett. This this is a, a young, very unexperienced offense. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's a twenty twenty four team. Big receivers. Yeah, Do say that again. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's like a twenty twenty four team. The the twenty twenty three Bucks look, especially on offense, just like a disaster. Like I like having Tristan Wirfs back there. I I don't know, man. That's like that's like having the Secret Service guard a flop house. Like what? Why? <laughs> what's in there yeah <laughs> what's what's going on <laughs> part of me sees this game maybe going the way of the 2019 vikings opener against atlanta where it was just an onslaught from the start yeah it's that dangerous to think that way but that one was a laugher early um something tells me that there's going to be a pluckiness to to the bucks in this game maybe the vikings don't have that sure. put away ability uh, defense will get exposed enough as the game goes on. Um, but I, mean, again, I am the so Buccaneers in- defense also just like they have dudes, right? They like, have dudes. Yeah. The defense is stacked. Clyde yeah. Jacancy is going to be fun to watch, I think. Oh, yeah. And especially so you've got like a, a top tier nose tackle in Vita Vea. You've got a very good pass rusher in Shaquille Barrett. You've got Clyde Jacancy. You've got, you know, some rotation along the edge rusher unit. Like, I, I don't know that. Tryon Chienka is doing everything, but he had a pretty good rookie showing. So, you know, maybe he'll show up again this year. Um, but you've got a good rotation there. You've got Carlton Davis. You've got um, Jamel Dean. You've got Antoine Winfield. Right? I mean, th- there's like a bunch of players. Ryan Neal, like, as the other safety. Like, you've got a bunch of guys that, that know mm-hmm. how to play. Like, I thought they were going to lose half these guys in free agency. Um, and I think they only lost, like, a, they lost their worst corners in free agency, which is astounding because they have two really good corners that, I think we're both hitting free agency at the same time. They're able to retain both of them. So, which yeah. moves that would suggest they are somewhat trying to win this year? They're really caught in the middle. Like it's not a great place for the Bucks to be. They don't have the clear succession plan at quarterback. Um, and I'm not sure. We don't know if Todd Bowles is a great coach either. I mean, head coach, great coordinator. Um, but I think a lot to learn about the Bucks, a lot to learn about the Vikings. I think there's going to be a lot of intrigue, a lot of mi- some mysteries solved. Maybe like are the Vikings going to use a fullback a lot. Are the Vikings going to go more eleven or you know more two tight end. All is these Jordan things. Jordan Addison, I don't know. wide receiver two, or is it T.J. Hawkinson? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Osborne or Addison, who's on the field more? Uh, creative ways to use Brandon Powell. What's the workload between Madison Chandler and others, <laughs> and uh, others, and other people too? Um, Gaskin, <laughs> Miles Gaskin, the other people. Yeah, is Gaskin ahead of Chandler on the depth chart? Do we do we suspect I, I, that? I think he was listed that way on an unofficial one sometime, but I don't think it meant anything. Yeah, it's yeah the the official or the unofficial official depth chart, whatever. Yeah. I think Braun's got sitting on one of these. Let's get to nerdy stats today. Analytics fans rejoice. Woo-hoo-hoo! It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. Ah, the best theme music we have on the show, the nerdy stat of the day. Let's start with Luke Braun. Yeah, so the 2022 season represented a kind of uh, dialing back from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Todd Bowles, who's run that defense uh, when Bruce Arians was there as well. In 2021, they blitzed 45% of the time, which led the league by a mile, I believe. That's Uh, crazy. 
outside of the Brian Flores Dolphins was the only team to even get close at at 39.6%. But just last year, they ranked 11th with 28% blitz, which is still, I guess, above average, but way, way more normal. Um, I think the thesis was the Rams really beat those blitzes in the playoffs in 2021 in that divisional game during the Rams Super Super Bowl run. They kind of found a way to punish it. And I think um, the idea of going light box, play soft, that whole fad kind of got to Todd Bowles a little bit too. Um, and, you know, kind of encourage the run, that that whole thing. Uh, so I, I am very curious to see just what kind of defense Todd Bowles wants to run. If he wants to stay a little bit softer and if he wants to kind of keep the blitzing to a, a normal amount or if he just wants to go all the way back to who he is at the core and say, F it, we're blitzing every other play. <laughs> Which will make this game awesome because Flores is doing that too. It's yeah. Just, all right, we're just going to kill quarterbacks today. <laughs> <laughs> Rips. <laughs> It was fantastic. That's a good one. Uh, Arif Hassan, nerdy stat. Sure. Well, uh, you mentioned, you know, Kirk Cousins, contract year type stuff, whether or not regression is due. And I made a face when you talked about regression because I believe Kirk has already regressed, which is not a permanent state. This is not a suggestion that he'll do worse this year. But, you know, I think that the eight fourth quarter comebacks kind of hit some worrisome statistics last year for Cousins. In a Vikings uniform, this was his lowest success rate. It was his lowest yards per attempt. It was his lowest passer rating. It was his lowest QBR. It was his lowest adjusted net yards per attempt in a Vikings uniform. All of those things suggest that he actually probably was at a low point last year in terms of quarterback effectiveness. Of course, he dug himself out of those holes with those fourth quarter comebacks this next year I expect his rate statistics to improve to something closer to his league average especially because it was his lowest rate of um of play action passing in a vikings uniform if i remember that correctly i don't have that one in front of me and i think that that's going to increase that was an explicit goal of the uh of, of the way kevin o'connell talked about the offense right so that we need to invest in blockers that allow us to run the ball a little bit better and allow us to show run action a little bit better i think that Everybody's gotten used to the Rams being able to run play action out of 11 personnel. I think most teams can't do that. I think the Vikings decided that they can't do that either. So I think that we're going to see a spike in play action rate, and we're going to see a spike in Kirk Cousins' statistics. I think we should have an extended convo about the Cousins regression thing in a moment. I'm going to give you my nerdy stat of the day after I tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook and the promotions going on at FanDuel, our great partners, and the uh, um, and America's number one sportsbook, I should say. FanDuel uh, offers this right now. New customers can bet $5, just $5, and get 200 in bonus bets into their account, guaranteed. And all customers who bet 5 at FanDuel will get $100 off the new NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV. So now is the best time to join FanDuel. For those reasons and plenty others, the hundreds of ways to wager, uh, that helps too. Check out all these NFL bets coming up this week as the games kick off. It's a very easy-to-use interface on the FanDuel Sportsbook app or fanduel.com slash locked on where you can get started today. Player props, futures, spreads, um, alternate lines, so many different ways to get in the action at FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. My nerdy stat of the day regarding Baker Mayfield under pressure. He is getting worse with age, not better. His previous two years under pressure, 25th and 28th in passer rating under pressure, the two worst marks of his career. He was around league average in the teens with the Browns. And not only that, but his pressure to sack rate the last two years, worst in the NFL both seasons, around 29 or 30%. Last year, it was 30.8, which was a far cry. The number one worst pressure to sack quarterback in the NFL above Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford. For reference, Kirk Cousins. Um, Where is Kirk Cousins? Kirk. Kirk, he was 23rd. Yes, no. He was 23rd from the worst, which is actually pretty good. Um, weird way of saying that, but that's my nerdy stat of the day. Baker Mayfield, not good under pressure. Vikings got to get him under pressure and they have to do so against an offensive line that has shifted some things around. 
though was good uh, protecting Tom Brady last year. Um, I think 25th in pass block win rate or something last year. It's it's taken a dive. The the Bucks yeah. pass block win rate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Two years ago it was stunning. Mm. Ah. Yeah. In- interesting because PFF liked their overall protection as a team last year, fourth in the league. But um, let's see what it was the year before that. The year before that, they were second. Um. So they were twice as bad last year <laughs> in bad. ranking. Um, Kirk Cousins. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins. He is entering a contract year. Arif talked about the ways in which he regressed last year. And I think the we haven't entertained maybe enough the possibility of Kirk Cousins hitting that regression point. And we'd like to avoid talking about it because he is extremely durable, cares about his body, hiring trainer guys to live with them basically and do all this stuff. Um, Body guys, whatever you want to call it. Is Kirk Cousins going to be a sort of fall off the cliff quarterback or is it going to be a trickle down linear decline for him as he gets into the latter half of his 30s? Luke Braun, uh, let's get your thoughts on that. That's a tough question. I have no idea. If I had to guess, probably something more linear just because mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is not... Like, for me, the the guys who fall off a cliff are guys who rely on particular kinds of athleticism that then escape them. Um, and Kirk Cousins has an athleticism that, that will escape him in terms of, like, arm strength and stuff, like with all quarterbacks. But I think the way that he prepares and works in between games, like kind of the stuff we saw in like the Netflix documentary yeah, um, can kind of help mitigate that as you get older. So probably more of a, a trickle kind of thing. I think Kirk cousins is who he's been for the last 10 years until he proves otherwise. And I think some of it too is to what do you attribute some of the bad stats last year? Was it a Kirk regression? Was it an offensive change that led to 14 career high interceptions, almost a career low in completion percentage at just under 66%. Um, And like Arif said, success rate, one of the lowest of his careers. Do you attribute that Arif to change in scheme or some Kirk stuff? I think a lot of it is change in scheme. I I do want to push back against what Luke said about the nature of quarterbacks falling off. But to answer your question specifically, it was, I think a lot of it's just like, because a lot of times when we talk about a change in scheme, we're talking about a change in offensive play calling style. We're talking about changes in terminology, you know, that, that might make things a little bit different. Maybe it changes how protections are used. And I think, you know, maybe all of those have played a role, but Kirk has dealt with changes in terminology his entire career, like famously, right? Um, but yep. they've all fit within the same offensive style. And specifically, they've asked him to do the same thing. Now, before last year, right before the season started last year, you know, O'Connell mentioned that he wants to change how Kirk sees the field. I think that played a pretty big role. The idea that Kirk would stay on to those deeper reads and wait a little bit for a deeper play to develop rather than go through his progressions at the same rate that he normally would or that he would take his eyes somewhere that he normally doesn't take his eyes based on what he's seeing with the defense. I think that changed uh, his comfort with the offense. Now, it would be an ideal if, you know, over the course of the year, he grew more comfortable with the offense. I think that would make my take sound really good. I don't think that that actually happened all that much. But I do think that there's something about the way that he approached the game that was a little bit different than the way that he approached it in previous years that I think contributed to this in some ways. I think also, again, the play action thing, I think plays a pretty big role. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at play action for whatever reason, whether uh, it's because he knows how to do, you know, the play action fake, you know, that's a skill that your quarterback spend a lot of time developing, whether it's because, you know, those half field reads are just so nice to him that, you know, those bootlegs are very clean and easy for him to figure out. I don't know. But he's very good at that sort of thing. Um, and so I think those will come back. As for the falling off the cliff thing, I think it, it seems correct that quarterbacks that rely on their physical strength are much more likely to fall off a cliff than quarterbacks that are primarily like anticipation throwers. But um, 
you take a look at quarterbacks that have fallen off a cliff. They include players like Peyton Manning, who in 2015 just fell off a cliff, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, uh, and even Drew Brees a little bit. Um, I think, you know, maybe you could say Matt Ryan was a little bit more linear. Um, I thought he was a cliff too, a, a little bit. I, and you, think? you know, I that, know, that's more of a high level take, but he went from 35 and seven in 2018. And then after that, like his, his, Completion percentage dropped off 3% the next year, never recovered. His interceptions shot up and never recovered after that. The team got worse for sure around him. I think I think you have to kind of rediscover yourself when you're when your arm dies on you. Like that's what yeah. Tom Brady did in 2020, and, and that's why he was able to refigure right. out and the offense and, I think and win the, same the Super thing Bowl. With you have to you have to redial in like what you can and can't throw and what you can um get away with. I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is gonna have to do with the Jets. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's that's a good. Um, also, I'm looking at Matt Ryan, and this very much looks like a gradual decrease in effectiveness. Sam, <laughs> like, like from tw- from <laughs> starting 20- when? Uh, I mean, from 2018. So he uh, reduces his yards per attempt from 8.1 to 7.3. His career average at that point had been around seven and a half. So he goes from about seven and a half to 7.3, 7. 7.3, yep. 7.1, 6.6. Yeah. That, that feels like linear. a gradual, yeah. That that um, that's particular stat definitely linear. Yep. But I, I I I do think that like when you have a quarterback that has to work around their limitations, it's just there's only so much. There's only so many dials you can turn. Essentially, there's only so much that you can do. There's only so much anticipation that Peyton Manning can have for his ducks to turn into an effective offense, or at least one that doesn't seem catastrophically bad. Uh, and I think that you kind of hit that um, and it just kind of falls off. So you you are building in all of these elements of the way that you're adjusting to the way that you play quarterback that are essentially not necessarily ideal ways to play, but ways to cover for your deficiencies. And it's I'm not going to say it's like building a house of cards, but it, it's building like an intricate you know method of quarterbacking that once one of those things stops working, it all kind of falls apart. So I think that there is something to the fact that these quarterbacks that that are physically, you know, you know, kind of meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, more big arm throwers or more athletic guys that I think are actually more likely because they get a little bit more time to gradually adjust to the changing athleticism that counterintuitively, it seems like they may actually have more of a linear um, drop off. I think we saw a little bit of that with Russell Wilson. We'll see what happens with him this year. Obviously, Cam Newton, that didn't happen, but also he got into a car crash. So, you know, kind of hard to. But I mean, like Ben Roethlisberger felt a little bit more linear. But, you know, I think that a quarterback like Cousins, I think one day he's just not going to have it. I don't know that that's going to be this year or anything. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think yeah. that one day he's just not going to have it. The the arm to me looks the same as it did last year. So that's that is to say no drop off. But if you think about his arm 2018, do you think there's been any? Drop off in arm strength because that's a lot of what we're talking about. Like the arm is going to die so. at some point. I mean, I, I I will say that like 2019, um, I was really impressed with some of his like throws. Like his arm, I think was really mm-hmm. live, and I don't know that I've seen some of that. But like, I don't know that it's dropped off. I think that ju- he's just choosing to to do different things. I like, I don't know that his arm strength isn't there, but there are some moments where it's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he has an arm. It's tough because quarterbacks entering the league have had better arm strength as the years have gone on. Um, So it's like, like when Derek Carr entered the league, he had one of the strongest arms in the NFL back in 2014. Right. And now I don't think he's in the top half and I don't think his arm strength has decreased any. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it's tough to have like a good sense, like when you've got, you know, these Josh Allen's entering the league. Now, maybe, you know, like Bryce Young is going to reset our, our, you know, metrics on, on what counts as, you know, league average arm strength. But, you know, for the most part, the guys entering the NFL the past couple of years have had just ridiculous arm talent compared to, you know, previous years. So that, that also makes it kind of tough to make these comparisons. So the contract year for Cousins begins on Sunday. Uh, we'll obviously be, uh, you know, keeping everything in context around that as we evaluate Kirk this year um, and whether those regression signs like, and and I think it's safe to say that if he duplicates last year statistically and loses the, the crazy fourth quarter clutchness, which is almost guaranteed to, to regress majorly that that would not be a strong enough 2023 
for him for us to clamor for him to resign with the Vikings or the Vikings to resign him is probably the better way to say it. Like there would need to be a progression um, beyond what we saw last year. Is that safe to say at minimum for him to get an extension? Yeah. For, for that to even be, I think in like the conversation. Yeah. I th- I think the the is- timeline is what I can't get out of my head there because the season ends, the regular season ends in what mid January now. And mm-hmm. his contract voids in like the middle of February. They have like a month to get a quarterback contract done. They're going to have to be very motivated. I, th- I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be extremely results oriented. You know, I think if they don't yeah, want a playoff sure. game, they're just going to be like, look, I, the stats or whatever, man, we got to win Bye. like, I think that's yeah. whether that's fair or not. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the accelerated timeline is a participant in that, you know, particular process. But I, I think that, I, this has just been the question with Cousins. Um, again, whether or not that makes sense or whether or not it's fair, I think it's going to be playoff success is going to play maybe the biggest role. You know, if if he has an even worse statistical year, but they win a playoff game, they're they're probably still going to be like, yeah, this is working out. This is fine. We could do this. But I think if he has a better statistical year and they don't win a playoff game, they're just going to be like, yeah, we've seen that. That's We don't need that anymore. Yeah, like yeah. imagine because the entire process of contract negotiation has to go start to finish. And imagine that happening after last year's playoff game and like the fourth and eight. And that was the last thing you saw. And like, that is the taste mm-hmm. in your mouth the entire yeah. time. That would be extraordinarily unfair. Cousins by all accounts played a really good game in that playoff game, but it still, I think would have like a bad effect on the contract process in it, in and of itself. Uh, I love talking legacies, especially when it's all over in a player's career. Cousins legacy is going to be really fascinating five years down the road. Um, I want to touch on Kyle Rudolph's as well, as he announced he's going to be retiring as a Minnesota Viking, thanks to his 10-year career here. Reminder that we are partners with Sirius XM and the SXM app. Search Locked On Sports Minnesota. Find all of our shows. That includes Ron Johnson, Minnesota Sports Rankum, and the Minnesota Football Party. Also find the local broadcast. Get every pitch of the Twins games on the SXM app, just search Twins. Kyle Rudolph, 10 years in Minnesota, 4,488 yards, 48 touchdowns. Um, What do you think he ranks as a Vikings tight end? Oh, top, that's an interesting t- question. Um, top three? What, so what, it's like, what, Steve Jordan? Like, Steve who Jordan, are... Steve Jordan, Stu Voigt. Stu Voigt. Um, and you've got Asante a bunch of Shanko. Yeah, you like got you a bunch of Shanko types really that are Shanko. Yeah, that's and the out. problem. Yeah, Clyde um, Saucer, but I don't think. I mean, he was more of a fan favorite for. He was know, fun to watch, but yeah, that, he was that's fun. A, yeah, that's a tough part of the. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I mean, I think it's no matter what, he ends up top five. But you know, kind of what, where in that top five? That one's that one's interesting. There's, no, there's not like a, a Jimmy Graham or anything like that where you're just like, yeah, there's yeah. the guy. I don't think you can come up with four guys that are that had more impact on the Vikings than Rudolph. I think you can do Steve Jordan. Yeah, um, you that's... could like argue Stu Voigt, but then you got to start getting really weird takes about like Jermaine Wiggins or Joe Sensor. I don't know. I, I think it. it He's probably second or third, depending on how nostalgic you are about the guys in the 70s. Um, so I would say, yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously Steve Jordan one. I maybe this is just like uh, me being like trying to prove I'm a football guy, but I got to put Klein Saucer too, right? I don't know. Like, I mean, he played more games. I think I'm he not going to stop you blocking rules. Yeah, I, I think he earned some captaincies along the way that that Rudolph didn't get. I don't know. That one's tough, but I feel like he may have had a bigger impact, but I think Rudolph has to be three. I think you got to put him ahead of Voight and Shanko. Voight was fine. He was good, but yeah, he was overshadowed so much by like everything else going on on those teams. Yeah. Uh, Bron, you're the historian. What happened to Joe Sensor that abruptly cut his career short? I mean, obviously an oh, injury, I but I don't was... know that. Okay. Okay. It looks like it, I think it was a knee injury. Because he had a thousand yard season in 1981, and that's obviously unbelievable. Oh, in 1980, uh, Steve Jordan showed up. I think would be the answer, right? Or or did uh, that, he missed all of 1983 it? with a knee injury? Like all of 1983, 
And then in 1984, yeah. he started one game, only was active for eight games, though. Yeah, they picked Steve Jordan in the seventh round in 82. So if Joe Sensor was yeah. hurt, and then suddenly the backup comes in and plays well, that'll do it. Yeah. But then Sensor, like his career ended, too. It's not like he went on to play elsewhere. So that, that injury happen. probably played a gigantic role. Um, yeah. yeah Coming Sensor, off an injury and you just got benched for a seventh round pick. Yeah, that's not going to get you a lot of jobs. Yeah, no. Before we knew, you know, like. Yeah. Well, when when was when when was true NFL free agency? When did when did Reverend Reggie White bless us with free agency? Oh, that was uh, was that the eighty eighty two strike? Uh, I thought like so. There, there was Plan B free agency, but uh, like free agency proper happened in ninety three. So that might oh, have back. also played a role in him not having. Yeah. Um, anything to go to after that, right? If the Vikings didn't want him, if they didn't want to release his contract, he just didn't have any place to go. I don't think, um, I, I think I agree with you guys that Rudolph is two or three. I also think TJ Hawkinson can quickly become two. Like, I think if he plays out the contract, sure. I think that he can, could pass Rudolph and maybe not for longevity, but certainly for impact and, and productivity. Rudolph had a lot of clunkers. I mean, I, of, his, of his 10 years, how many, like he had what a three year peak from 16 to 18 and the stuff before that. And after that was nice red zone guy, but not that, not that consistent. Yeah. As, as he got older and this is the thing with like the legacies of players is it's a lot easier to assess it once it's been a while. Cause right now our, our most recent memories of Kyle Rudolph are like a season where he was kind of getting old and he was more of a blocker. And then this thing in, in New York and Tampa that didn't really work out. But yeah, I mean like five years from now, we're not going to remember that we're going to remember catching the ball in overtime and in the Superdome in 20, in the 2019 playoffs. And we're going to remember, you know, cool catches from the 2017 season and more of that stuff. So I'll say this, his rookie year was crazy fun. It was so fun. Yeah. Um, he like, I mean, and I don't think he got that many touchdowns his rookie year. I think it was like no. the next year he got like a bunch of touchdowns. That was the, the 2K Peterson year and Percy Harvin was there for half of it getting MVP consideration. Right. So there's a lot going on. So on yeah, so it's just like, yeah, nine touchdowns. Okay, great. This guy's yeah. got 2,000 yards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. There was a lot going on. Um, but, um, so he was, he was, for the first couple of years of his career, he was primarily like this highlight dude that would that would reel in all these crazy catches from way outside of his frame and then drop some easy passes. And it was just like, Oh, at least we got the highlights, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We got um, the cool ones. Yeah. And then I remember constantly the discussion around him was that um, he had suffered an injury. I think it was like a hamstring injury or something at Notre Dame that reduced his speed. So his combine speed wasn't very good. But when he was a junior or whatever at Notre Dame or the year before he declared for the draft, he was one of the fastest tight ends in the country. And he's just going to get that back. He's going to get that back. And now we're going to have a multidimensional tight end that has the ability to stretch the field like Jimmy Graham and block like Matt Spath. And he's just going to be Gronk, too. And there was like a whole thing. And then he said it. I remember that. He said, you know, hey, people, you know, he compared himself a little bit to Gronkowski. Mostly he was just like people don't account for the fact that Gronkowski like blocks a lot, which I, I feel like people do, but fine. <laughs> um, it might have taken him a bit. I don't, yeah, when did he I mean, say that's this? fair. No, that's fair. But like, you know, he was like, I block so much. And he wasn't a great blocker, but then it turned into like, I don't get enough recognition. This is like my specific memory of Rudolph. I know that we're honoring mm -hmm. Rudolph's life, but this is like what I remember. Yeah. No, we're not uh, honoring. We're, we're just talking about personally it. Personally at, at points on, on I kind of, yeah. Um, I'll talk about yeah. that in a second too. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like a lot of it was just like, I don't get enough recognition for my blocking. And it's like, you're not good at that. I don't, you don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> um, so he talked a lot about that. And then he complained a lot that like, he doesn't get receiving statistics because the Vikings keep him in to block all the time, mm -hmm. which was both true and false, right? On passing plays, the Vikings would keep him in the block more often than almost any other receiving tight end. That number is not that high. It's just not that high of a number for it to be meaningful. So, like, there was this weird contentiousness that he had about not getting enough recognition. Um, and then I, he you did know, an interview before he left, too. And he basically he was pretty honest about why he was leaving. Did like, he get he, the ball more? Yeah. Well, he's like, hey, I'm not going to be 
uh, like he he had a very direct way of saying that it's hard to be productive when you're blocking sixty percent of the game, something like that. Yeah, I remember that, and we ran the numbers, and and he wasn't blocking sixty percent of the game. But you know what your feelings are, like hope, anyways. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but he like he was he was putting together a couple of three hundred yard seasons for his final couple of years of the Vikings. So like he had this eight hundred yard season that was great. I think the Vikings also threw the ball more than they'd ever had. I think in in Vikings history that year. So it was just like okay, great, eight hundred yards. Maybe you'll be able to turn that into something. And then he got like five hundred, and then he got five hundred again or something like that, and that was it. Um, yeah, I don't like. There was just like a lot of that, um, and the like. His like missing athleticism was like a big deal. We eventually stopped talking about it. Um, but you know, like I, I at some point had mentioned that the Vikings kept on drafting these like super athlete tight ends that were not like good at tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you, you got your Michael Pruitt and your Bucky Hodges, and there was like a couple more in there. But like um, that was like the deal. And I remember like Kansas City was doing the tight end shovel pass a ton at the time. And so I tweeted out like, oh, wow, the Vikings need to get an athletic tight end so they can do that. Knowing that they had already drafted like three of them. Right. And it was just not working out. It was like the joke is like, yeah, you know, let's get an athletic tight end. Maybe we could run some of these plays. And he got mad at me because he he thought I was calling him unathletic, which I guess kind of I was. But really, I was just making fun of the fact that they drafted this many guys. And then he (laughs) threw all of them under the bus. He's like, yeah, they drafted a bunch of athletic tight ends. How'd that work out? And, and then he had to apologize. Yeah, one of them. So one of the tight ends, Michael. He had to apologize to Michael Pruitt. Yeah, Michael t- called Titans. him out. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, man, what's up?" <laughs> and Michael then, Pruitt, who's still carving out a good. Uh, where is he now? Is he still with Tennessee? I, that doesn't seem right. No, no um, way. He's still with Tennessee. He wasn't with Tennessee actually during the joints. I, I specifically remember that. Right, okay, Alkins. Yeah. That's what I thought. Oh yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, him and Parker Hesse just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, watching Kyle Pitts catch touchdowns. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it was like a whole deal. Um, he mentioned that like someone had mentioned that he got more yak per catch than almost any other tight end in the NFL. Also, he had the lowest depth of target that year, too. So, you know, <laughs> that was like a big part. It was like, yeah, you're getting thrown three yard passes. Okay, I'm going to find five. this. I'm going to find was, this. Yeah. And then, like, so he got, he got, he tweeted that at me about like the how the athletic tight ends work out. He had to apologize. And then he didn't block me, but he blocked a bunch of my followers, um, some of whom were on his side. But again, he just didn't want to like do the, like, take the time to figure out what's going and just blocked a bunch of people. It was really fun. And then I think the final thing was, I reported that he was at a golf event. He was like missing out. Oh my God. This And I reported he was at a golf event and it was a charity golf event, which I, I didn't use the word charity. I thought that that was like obvious from the phrase golf event and not like he's yeah. golfing um, because that's what, that's what PR told me. He's at a golf event. So I was like, Oh, he's not at OTAs because he's at a golf event. It's not like he's holding out or anything like that. And, and so a bunch of people got mad at me because I, they, it, they got the implication that I was criticizing him for golfing during practice as opposed to him being there for, for a charitable reason. And I excluded the charity and then he got mad because I excluded the charity, but he misattributed someone else's tweet to me where they specifically called him out for golfing. It was a whole deal. I have never had a positive relationship with this guy, I guess is the conclusion of the story. (laughs) You and Rudolph Uh, and you and Greenway. (laughs) <laughs> just the 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 legacy but, players of the 20 teens greenway Not, was so much more good-natured about it like he like he would like he would call he me out at practice ribbing. and i love that yeah that rules yeah you talk rudolph to me, took rudolph me. very seriously yeah say that. like when, the, when greenway got when greenway got his pick six which i believe was on his birthday um at like at, at then tcf bank stadium and he ran it back like I, he wasn't right away or anything like that, but like a couple hours later, he tweets at me like, "Hey man, what's up?" <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Like he, like the way that he is. handles it is a lot better than I think Rudolph just getting like mad at me, but taking it out on, on my followers. I don't know, man. Anyway, he'll There's... be honored in week three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the highest uh, I can find his yak perception is tenth in twenty twenty. 
in 2020, which was a very that was definitely year. not the year that people were talking about as yet. Okay. No, it wasn't that he had the most. It was that he had more than this specific tight end. I think it was more than ah, Travis I, Okay. That must have been. It's like oh, okay. people don't know that he has more yak than George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And it's like, yeah, they're catching balls 40 yards downfield, man. I like <laughs> yeah, you're catching rollouts <laughs> in the flat. <laughs> um with Rudolph, for me, I remember like the first. I think it was like 13, 14, 15. He missed like eight games three years in a row with some injury or other. And then like having the hamstring thing and everybody was like, oh, he's made a glass. He's, you know, a dainty little tight end and stuff. And I remember like people always get super like mean about that when you get injured a lot. They're like, oh, you're you can't, you know, you're going to stiff wind will knock you over. It's like, okay, yeah, you tell him that. Um, But Philip, for like a lot of those people get tackled once. Like just, right, like go on a. <laughs> I, if I went on a blocking sled once, I would crumble into dust. Like, come on, yeah. like know who you are. Um, but like, then he there, went so on an Ironman streak for like four years, and it's like, yeah. And that the, the the lesson I learned from Kyle Rudolph, and while he was on that Ironman streak, was when I was like first starting to write about the Vikings. And the lesson was, yeah, injuries might just be luck, man. Sometimes bad luck things happen consecutively. It's not a pattern every time. I think I like trained my brain to understand that like broader concept, but also never call a player made of glass unless you can take them in a fight, which I never can. So I never will. Right. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't take any of the kickers that the Vikings have rostered in a fight. Absolutely not. Like tight yeah. end, right. But yeah, I mean, there's so many great videos of like just random people taking sacks from NFL edge rushers. Like there's a good one out there of like Jared Allen, just wailing on a guy. It, <laughs> it's like you'd you be not want the smoke. Like, it's man. over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's what the show looks like this week on the Minnesota Football Party. Tomorrow, Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. We answer fan questions. We talk more about Vikings Bucks. And then on Thursday, guys, get ready. Thursday is the day we make our official specific season predictions down to the yard. And then we replay our predictions after the season and see how dumb we sound. Always excited for that bit. And then we'll also make our first gambling picks of the regular season FanDuel contest. And remember, I have earned an advantage through my preseason fantasy victory. Arif Hassan has earned a disadvantage. and he Until the does, trade deadline. You got to remember to use it. Until the trade deadline. That's when the advantage expires. You're right. It's kind of like the immunity idol in Survivor expires before, you know, the final tribal council. So... That's exciting. That's Thursday. And then the round table on Friday with Reggie Wilson, Luke Inman, Ron Johnson, myself. So big week on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Uh, Arif Hassan, thank you. Find his work, Wide Left Substack, at Arif Hassan NFL, Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings, at Luke Braun NFL. Um, enjoy the next couple of days, gentlemen. We'll talk to you on Thursday on the Minnesota Football Party, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.